This is Kung Pao Enter the Minute, Minute 27. Opening Frame. Two of the pole bearers exhausted after the onslaught finishing their discussion of what the Chosen One's signal was. The signal? However, this doesn't stop one of the group taking another shot at the Chosen One. The first attacker tries to calm everyone down a bit. Hey, whoa, easy. We should wait a second or so. But this doesn't work as another guy takes another jab at the Chosen One followed by the last guy in the group taking a shot. Hey guys, come on! Oh well. The group starts their onslaught despite the fatigue, starting off slow and once again building up to get some massive blows to the body below them. When all the steam had finally been let out onto the unconscious, the chosen one, one guy finally points out, Hey, wait, wait. He did say the part about dramatically throwing us off his body. Oh, yeah, yeah. The group starts to slowly arrange themselves on top of the chosen one, expecting they'll be flung off in a dramatic fashion. However, when nothing happens, one of them finally asks, Okay. Go ahead! Throw us out! It's about this time that they realise that maybe the Chosen One wasn't getting up soon. Someone helpfully asks, Think he wants his tower? After sharing a few glances between the group, they start to slowly back away from what they think is a corpse in front of them, before running away as fast as they could. As we get to the closing frame, the Chosen One is lying there in a heap on the ground. His face not far from his body lies. Is this, in fact, the end of the Chosen One? If not, how will he ever be able to withstand the terrible blows of Betty, never by being able to punch through Betty's own impenetrable body? And if so, maybe this is Wimplo's time to shine and overcome Master Tang's terrible instructions and finally win the heart of Ling. Maybe it's time for Link to finally show that she's secretly a master ninja assassin. No, 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 that sounds stupid. I don't think there's a secret female master ninja assassin that will turn up in this movie. Don't be absurd. So as I um, just previously recorded, this is a very short episode. There's not much to realistically talk about. And I've talked about the severe pummeling and the implications of that and the comedic implications of that. So let's talk about the ongoing narratives that get set up in the What Are They Really Saying sections. So Steve Overkirk not only was um, creating dialogue for the onset actors to say that he was going to dub anyway, but so he wanted things to happen, things that it wasn't just random noises. It wasn't just, I'm making flappy mouth movements he does do that in one section we'll get to that however to take the joke however to take the joke a little bit further he started implanting these fake through line narratives within some of these scenes so for example the chosen one's dialogue in the master tang uh, dojo scene he's talking about um master tang being a lizard well this one actually has multiple characters discussing things about one particular topic. It's so hard to keep track of some of these things, but yeah, they talk about pastries, they talk about a couple of other things, and 
but the also you know, the dialogue is done in such a way that so when like the one guy's like hey hey don't don't interrupt you kind of like what the re- real dialogue is going to say purposely of course he's talking about don't interrupt me when I'm talking about pastries <laughs> you know that kind of sheer lunacy of course some of this dialogue is superimposed when they're not speaking because like when like they're flat on the coach shows on, they're not really speaking or anything like that. There is some tiny dialogue towards the end of the scene that's really not being picked up. It once again just shows you how much time, care, and effort that uh, Odekirk and crew truly put into this. Steve makes a comment in the audio commentary about writing on the day and rewriting and all the other stuff that he put into this show, into this movie, I should say, and it genuinely does show and that's one of the reasons i greatly appreciate it it's there is this idea in comedy writing that you kind of have to take it seriously no matter how absurd the final product is it's not just one of those things where you try to be funny on the spot or you come up with random nonsense random nonsense can be funny but realistically speaking when you've got a longer narrative you need to have a tight control over that it's not we're just going to turn up and be funny the scene itself has to have some sort of consistency. And you've got a movie like this, you've got the added thing of, we need our actors to say something and get them to emote something. They're not just randomly saying gobbledygook. So it's funny when you actually listen to the, uh, what well, they're really saying, that these guys, they know they're going to get dubbed. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm fairly certain that they weren't going in thinking they're doing Shakespeare, but they they're selling their performance with this alternate dialogue. I mean, they have no idea, really, at the end of the day, what's going to happen. I bet you one of these guys didn't even see the actual script, however much of that survived by the time they got into editing, and they probably didn't know what their performances were ultimately going to end up like until they saw it on the screen. But it's nice to know that uh, while Odekirk is making silly voices, he's not really trying to make the people on screen look stupid. Well, except maybe Wimplow, but that's just an ongoing joke. And let's face it, Wimplow's a character that's based on, what, the third strongest fighter in Tiger and Crane Fist after uh, Sing Chen and, God damn it, Master Payne's character could not think of it. So essentially, yeah, the third most powerful fighter in there, making him a bit of a weak weakling in a movie is, again, a bit of subversiveness, but he's not mocking someone who's under power. Okay, so there's a theory in comedy called punching up and punching down. And wherever possible, you don't want to punch down. You don't want to take a weak, marginalized, minority type of character and then make that the butt of the joke. Wimplow's joke is not that he's this Asian guy and it's it's not full of Asian stereotypes. It's about a fighting school and they deliberately trained a bad fighter. Which is funny because when you think about it, apart from the gags where you know someone else is stepping in for... Wimplow's character in the body doubling, he's still making the right moves. He's still impressively doing stances and stuff like that. He's still fighting. Wimplow is actually technically a strong character. And wow, this went on a freaking tangent, but then you probably know by now that's kind of what I do. I guess, yeah, it, it's, it's great that uh, Odekirk has a love and care of these characters. Even these little big guys he cast and wrote for. You know, no one truly goes to waste here. There's always some function to these characters and there's always a bit of comedy to be mined out of it as well. It's it's really, really good and smart and clever. 
And that is not at all a justification on <laughs> me spending 27 episodes talking about a movie that wasn't, you know, a big box office success. But let's start moving on to the audio commentary. So in this minute, Steve's actually talking about the whole concept of what are they really saying. And, you know, if you didn't know it by the time you listen to this audio commentary in the movie, you find out that there is a actual bonus track if you didn't see it. Either way, yes, 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 yes. I, were they talking about pastries or something like that? Somebody, there was some common theme that you had going on, and all, all this stuff, what, written at 3 and 4 in the morning. Oh, in, in yeah. <laughs> in the... We'd finish shooting, and I, of course, would stay up uh, beyond late past a 16-hour day and uh, write fake dialogue. At the fabulous Las Rocas Because I Hotel. knew that one day people would be listening to it on the DVD, because I care. As for what are they really saying, uh, yeah, there's a lot of continued talk about pastries and stuff, but I like this little bit of section here. Why don't we get on top of them and take a nap? Oh, oh yeah. Good idea. That's right. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm sleepy. Let's do it. As for the audiobook, uh, not really much stands out, to be honest. However, there's a little bit of um, dialogue you can barely, barely hear in the normal one, but uh, our narrator clearly points out this bit. Hey, he's pretty still. We better get home, guys. Nobody say anything to Mom. So that is it. Again, another short episode. I am planning on getting a guest in for a couple of future episodes. So I'm looking forward to that. If you're hearing this in the new year, I have done a slight rebrand to the channel. I am now known as Fandom Crossing as opposed to Fanboy Crossing. So go check out Patreon and Ko-Fi, look for Fandom Crossing, not Fanboy, Fandom Crossing. I know that's kind of pointless to say because none of you are giving me any money, but you know, if you actually finally decide, you know, New Year, you've got a, uh, a new objective in life, and that objective in life is to give me money. <laughs> oh, I could not hold that up without laughing my ass off, but it doesn't matter. Look, I hope you're enjoying this uh, stuff. We've just uh, finished officially 2020, but I'm sure we've still got another six months of 2020 still to come. At least six months, uh, maybe close to five years, maybe maybe close to the next millennium. It's all 2020 all the way down. <laughs> and on that note, on that optimistic note, like, care, comment, subscribe, and on Simplecast, Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever, you know the thing. Just take care of yourself and catch you next time. Thank you.